0: Hi, my name is Nathan Shaw and I'm the director and writer of Goodnight America and you're watching Cobra Kai Companion.
1: Welcome back to another episode of Cobra Kai Companion, I am Peter, and kicking off what is known as uh, Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month for the month of May, uh, I wanted to do something different. So um, to kind of amplify Asian American voices, uh, Pacific Islander voices, uh, I invited uh, Nathan Shia, who is director and writer of uh, Goodnight America. Hey, Nathan. Hey, Peter. Thanks for uh, having me on the show. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, now, for those that, like, listen to the show or watch our YouTube channels and um, aren't really on social media, they may wonder why I have you on or how are you connected to the Miyagi-verse. Um, your film, Goodnight America, uh, just came out about a month ago. You dropped it about a month ago on YouTube. Uh, it also stars uh, Jacob Bertrand and Shalom Ardueña, who our audience knows as uh, Miguel and Hawk. Um, so... I wanted to bring you on uh, to talk to you and kind of learn about your background uh, a little bit here, but um, you're originally from San Diego?
0: Yeah, born and raised in San Diego, but uh, now I'm living in Los Angeles.
1: Yeah, the 619, or Uh, 916.
0: I'm I'm from 858, but 619 is, yeah, also San Diego.
1: Yeah, we just, um, let's see, we were staying there because we went to Legoland a couple years ago. Oh, yeah. Right? It's, that's not too far from? Yeah, Legoland is uh, just a little bit north of my house. It's awesome- oh, no kidding. Yeah. It's pretty awesome, man. I got, I got an eight-year-old, and I think he was like six around that time, and, and uh, obviously before the pandemic, and it was, it was actually pretty cool. I, I was like, ah, how cool can it be? Like, you know what? It's a lot of fun, actually. Yeah. A lot
0: of cool stuff. It's cool to see, like, all the crazy stuff, and how creative people can be with just little Lego blocks.
1: So. Right. Especially like monuments and stuff. Yeah. They have
0: right. like, they like recreate uh, great American landmarks. with Lego. Yeah.
1: Well, they recreated all of Las Vegas, basically. Las Vegas, New York, yeah. Los
0: Angeles. They have, I mean, different places all over the world too.
1: Yeah. So uh, born and raised, but now you're in LA. Um, why the move? Is it because of all the opportunities? Uh, you know, for f- filmmaking, music, and stuff like that?
0: Yeah, I am uh, I moved out to L.A. actually initially because uh, to go to school. I go to school at Loyola Merrimack University um, in Marina del Rey in Los Angeles where I study film production. Uh, I'm currently on a leave of absence right now um, just to be able to pursue whatever I want to do. But, I mean, you know, the film scene and the music scene and the entertainment industry, it's like the entire hub is just very saturated. And it's like, everything's going on in LA. So I came out here to play into that and, uh, yeah. you know, capitalize on as many opportunities as I can and, and just make awesome stuff with awesome people.
1: It's crazy to kind of ask, like, you know, um, when you were younger, what did you want to be? Cause you're like so much younger than me. I, if, are you roughly the same age as like Jacob and Sholo?
0: Yeah. We're all the same yeah. age.
1: Yeah. See, I, I have a son that's turning 21 this June. Oh wow. <laughs> yeah, you would have guessed probably. Um No, you look you look like just a couple
0: years older than me. Yeah. Hey, I appreciate that. Yeah. But also, hey man, the, the the Asian skin doesn't age. Asian don't raisin. Exactly. <laughs> um but yeah, it I don't the, look like this until I'm like fifty. Yeah. And then it, I turn fifty one, it's gonna be like just totally different look.
1: I'm fifty eight. no. <laughs> I hope to look like this at 58. Uh, I'm 38. I I just turned 38 uh, during spring break. Um, So at what point did you decide that, hey, I wanted to either pursue pursue music or or the arts?
0: Yeah, I I started off uh, pursuing film um, when I was younger. I, as well as many other kids growing up, I wanted to be an astronaut uh, and then like, I wanted to be this, like a scientist. And then like, at one point I was like, oh, I'm going to be the president of the United States. Like, that's what I want to do when I'm mm-hmm. older. Um, and like, I just had all these, you know, lofty dreams of of different things that I wanted to do, but it wasn't until in sixth grade, I, uh, it was, it was during the summertime and I was just really, really bored at my house. You know, I, I couldn't drive anywhere. I couldn't do anything. I was living in the suburbs of San Diego. Um, so a buddy of mine came over and I had this, this flip video camera. Do you remember those? It was like (laughs) cameras from Walmart. It's like a brick with just a red button on it that hits record. And I had one of those and him and I just started shooting, like, just like the stupidest videos of one another, like just running around the house. Like I the tiger is playing in the background. Like, and we thought it was the coolest thing. Um, And then I learned to edit, uh, on windows live movie maker, uh, the good old classic. And, and I really found joy in just making stuff with my friends and being silly and being goofy. And, and it's like, like I realized when I had a camera in my hand, it would, it it was almost strangely enough. Like it, it felt like it was bringing the best out of everyone, uh, when we were making stuff like that. And so I just, you know, I kind of kept doing it throughout middle school because uh, I was like, this is fun. And I feel like I have a knack for this. And um, my parents were like, oh, boy, like, you know, he's, he's, he's starting to do the camera stuff a lot. But, you know, hopefully, like when he gets to high school, he'll start focusing more on college and his career and what he wants to do. But the problem was in high school, I just I just kept running with the camera, too. And I, I started <laughs> learning more softwares. I started learning more on cameras and this and that and uh eventually, I think it was a little bit in high school when I realized that like this was something I really enjoyed and I really loved and I decided to uh to apply to film schools and and make this uh my dream um, of being a writer director and and making feature films and just telling stories that you know I'm passionate about and and want to bring the life on the screen and I mean, several years later, here I am uh, out in L.A. doing exactly that. So it's exciting. I'm still very
1: early in my career, but, you know, we'll see what happens. You kind of alluded to it, but um, uh, how did your parents kind of react? You mentioned that they're like, OK, oh, he's, he's got this, this camera. Are they uh, w- w- how supportive, whether they were or not, leading up to uh, before your move to L.A.?
0: That's a really good question, I think. And especially like you know my parents are Chinese immigrants. I was the first generation to be born in America um, I'm my parents' eldest son uh so there's definitely a cultural perspective that plays into the decision of just being like oh I'm gonna you know run to the circus and and be a filmmaker and and drop you know any any bit of of sustainable income and any bit of stability in life um yeah it wasn't an easy conversation to have. And it was, it was something that, you know, it was something that we kind of just like over the years, they saw how much I cared about something like this. And I know like, there's that, like, there's an Asian stereotype of like, Oh, the parents want you to be a doctor a lawyer, a banker. And it's like, and like, I feel like that's what any parent would want their kid to do. Because those are the most financially sustainable and stable jobs that you could possibly have. Every parent's going to want the best for their kids. And so, you know, wanting your kid to go into those sorts of industries, and I'm sure my parents very much so wanted that for myself as well, is, is for the best of me. You know, they, they came to America with, with close to nothing and had to kind of just build everything from the ground up. Which I have so much respect for and I think it's the most incredible thing. And of course they're gonna want their kid to pursue something that will empower them in this country and and help our family move forward and progress from generation to generation. So when you know, when I go, hey, I wanna be a film director, I want to make movies, where there's such a low percentage of succeeding and such uh, you don't know where your next paycheck's coming from, and you don't know where your next meal's coming from. In an industry like that—that's just so volatile and constantly shifting. It's tough for a parent to hear. It's tough for a parent to hear, especially for a parent who came from financial instability, mm. and that was just a conversation that wasn't just something where we talked about it one night and we figured it out. But it was over years. And was over the course and it's like, let's just see how much you care about it. Let's see how much you care about it. And I think that, you know, my love for film and making movies and and just shooting things just grew and grew exponentially year after year after year. And I was just constantly trying to grow and constantly try to improve myself at this and constantly try to prove to myself that this is something that I love and this is something that I want to commit the rest of my life to. And uh, when it became very, very apparent that there wasn't anything else I could imagine myself doing for the rest of my life. I think that's when my parents really were like, we are scared and a bit nervous because this industry is scary and we don't know anything about this industry and we can't help you and, And we don't have any connections because we're immigrants to this country. So, you know, we can't do anything to support you in this. Like tangibly, we can't give you anything to move your career forward. But we are here to support you emotionally. We'll put a roof over your head. We'll put you through school for this. And we want to be able to give you the decision to choose your own path in life. And I think that that's the greatest gift any parent could give their child was what my parents did for me which was we as immigrants didn't have the luxury to choose what we wanted to do my dad's a computer scientist my mom's in you know finance and like was this stuff that they wanted to do when they got to america they i mean I'm sure they had their dreams of being an artist, a painter, a musician, an a actor, an actress, something, but, but they took up these jobs to provide stability and a better life so that myself and my brother could pursue our dreams. And I think that's the most beautiful and incredible thing. And I'm incredibly fortunate and grateful for them.
1: Yeah, I, I completely agree. That's a really long-winded answer. No, of, that's fantastic. That's what, I, that's what I want to hear, man. They got your back. They got your back man it's, it's it's what you love and you know and, and no parent is necessarily going to admit it at first but like like I said man I, I got a son that's your you know roughly your age I got a daughter that just turned 19. Um, I want them to get their feet wet and do what they want to do and it's going to be hard and they're going to have to learn to make their own mistakes you know I too, you know, am a, a child of immigrants. You know, I was, I was born in Texas. People be like, where are you from? I go, Texas. <laughs> you know, but I grew up in the Pacific Northwest here most of my life. Um, did you, like, do any acting while you were, like, in, in middle school or high school while you were doing all the filming? None. I, act- I, I know
0: very, very little about acting. I know I have took a couple of acting classes before, but all of my acting just comes from watching what's on the TV, but more importantly, like, I just, I literally just act as myself and I, and I mold and I shape, you know, shift things a little bit, but like, I'm no DiCaprio. I can't step into the shoes of, of something just completely just crazy and different and be like, I'm going to, I'm going to uptake that character. But you know, if if something is, is, if I can relate to something, then I feel like, you know, I can, I can kind of shape shift into that. But you know, I'm no I'm no I'm no actor. Jacob yeah. and Jacob and Sholo are just some of the most talented, incredible people I've ever seen. Jacob can just like like I mean, I've done two movies with Jacob now, and that man can just with a snap of a finger, like one minute, you know, like he's goofing around, ah, blah, blah, he's crazy, he's silly. <laughs> and then I go, action, boom, he dials in and just crushes a monologue, or just one eighties his emotions. That's not me. I like to act. It's fun. I've acted in stuff. I've acted in my own films. I've acted in stuff for my friends. Um, but man, I'm no Jacob Bertrand. I'm no Sholo Maradona.
1: Yeah. Uh, so before you answer, I am going to ask about your, uh, in inspirations in terms of like directors or, or even actors. I, I want to give a shout out to, and we'll talk about your film later. Uh, good night America. Um, I, w- I want to shout out uh, posters for Whiplash and Inglourious Basterds, two of my favorite movies. Yes. Oh, man, I love those in my room. I, Whiplash should have won Best Picture. Like, Birdman was – wait, Birdman, is that the one that won? Yeah. It's fine. I think technically it's a great movie, but, like, I think Whiplash should have won.
0: Whiplash was, Whiplash was one of the movies that really – Set me down on the path of like, this is the kind of movie I want to do, or you know, making movies in general, something I want to pursue. Like, so of course I'm I'm gonna be very biased to Whiplash. Like that's that's like that's like the movie for me. A lot of people, for them, it's like Back to the Future, Jurassic Park. Like Back that to the Future. Was,
1: <laughs> Back to the Future, fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Well, now, what can you tell me about? Uh... Wow, that's it. where where'd you hear about that? Well, it's uh midnight on Mars, right? I was jam I was jamming to it this morning, man. It's a very catchy tune.
0: Oh man, you're a good guy. Well, uh, first of all, should we talk about the or do you want me to talk first? Or do you want me to talk about uh, the inspiration?
1: Oh, uh, you know what? Crap. Yeah, let's go back to the directors. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Just like talking about like directors that that I'm into inspired and... you. Yeah, like so, so some of the films. You know, like uh, *Inglourious Basterds* is up there. Do you like *Pulp Fiction*? Tarantino's one of your guys. Um, a lot of a lot of like
0: bro filmmakers love Tarantino and uh, and uh I'm one of those people. I think he's absolutely incredible. And I mean, he's got such a distinct voice and such a distinct style. But the thing that I love the most about him is he is so... A lot of people think he's like arrogant and he's cocky and he can be a dick. But my interpretation of Tarantino is like he is a he is unapologetically a servant to the story at all times and anyone's feelings or egos or you know if if something's going to come off as rude or insensitive like he doesn't care like whatever's going to make the story move forward and 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 do justice to it he's going to say and he's going to make happen which i think is super incredible um i love him i love uh, bennett miller um he directed Moneyball, which is one of my favorite movies. And, and okay. I love like, just the subtle like style of it. Um, I love, yeah, there's all sorts of different filmmakers. I think Bong Joon-ho has been crushing it. I'm so happy that, you know, Parasite was, like, when that won, man, that was, that was a really touching moment where it was like, not only, you know, was it a great movie that got recognized, but it was a great movie made by an Asian filmmaker with an Asian cast spoken in Korean. And it won at, you know, the Oscars at the Academy Awards, which is arguably the most prestigious, you know, film awards awards ceremony in the entire world. And I think that was really cool to see and finally get that recognition. And that nod to Asian cinema, which is like, hey, like there's really, really, really good and compelling stuff coming from
1: here, so. I, I really like the, the part in his speech. I, I don't I don't have the quote down, but he's just talking about like, if we can just get past, you know, the one or two inches of the dialogue at the bottom, like, you know, you guys are going to open yourself up to much more, you know, great movies out there.
0: Yeah. Subtitles. I think a lot of Americans hate subtitles. Uh, obviously we don't watch enough anime as a country, um, <laughs> but I think like, yeah, he said the moment you can get past the obstacle of, subtitles, you will be introduced to so many more movies. Which I 100% agree with. And I think that there's, I mean, I think anytime anyone ever makes a film, it is what they are. It is their entire heart and their entire soul and everything. That's, it's a full reflection of their life and their world and their society and their reality. And if we're only watching those sorts of things that come from America and from places that we're comfortable with, we're not gonna learn anything about anywhere else in the world. Mm-hmm. We're not gonna be able to understand nor empathize with anywhere else in the world other than America. And I think by watching more international movies and being introduced to more international filmmakers and, and watching your Bong Jun hos and watching your Wong Kar-wise, you are able to have a more globalistic, empathetic understanding of the world, which I think is super cool.
1: I I, I don't even understand why like subtitles would even be an obstacle. There's, there's people learning Korean to listen to K-pop music. (laughs) They're learning a whole ass language.
0: It's, it's not that tough to read while watching. Right. Not maybe in the beginning, maybe for the first like five minutes, but then your brain just figures it out. Your brain just pieces it together and it just flows together. But I mean, you know, Figure it out, guys. It out.
1: We're a household of uh, uh, closed caption and subtitles. Like we always turn it on. You know, you just if, if you look away and you hear something, you, you know, and you're like, wait, what did they say? You can look up and the words will still be there, you know, real briefly. Um, and that way you don't lose context of the actual dialogue, you know. Uh, but, yeah, great examples. Uh, what, what about some some movies? Was there one in particular that you're like, you know, what? that's that's what I want to do. A movie in particular. I know you you know you were singing praises for, for whiplash there, but anything else that was just like, I want to create that magic.
0: I really, really love Inglorious Bastards. That is genuinely one of my favorite movies, I think. That it does it strikes a really nice balance between being incredibly entertaining and watchable, yet holding a lot of philosophical merit and having just so much to say about society and, and not just, you know, having a theme of like Nazis are bad, but like (laughs) recontextualizing this world war II era and kind of criticizing every single country and, and showing that we are all flawed and we can all learn from one another's mistakes, especially in that bar scene.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. I, I think I'm due for a rewatch for, for, for sure. Um, it, it, sounds, book, man. it sounds like you, you like Brad Pitt because you referenced Moneyball and Inglorious. And, uh, and Brad Pitt's amazing in Inglorious Bastards.
0: Brad Pitt's one of my favorite actors. He's incredible in Glorious Bastards. He's incredible in Moneyball. Um, Once, Upon, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, he crushes it in that. I think. That's one of my favorites too, yeah. Fight Club, like, I just love, I love his acting style of just being very, very subtle. He has a very calm and collected nature to him. It's very stoic, but at the same time, you look into those eyes and you know that there's much more behind it there. And and there's a lot of depth there. I think Sholo's acting style actually is very much like Brad Pitt. Not in the sense where, you know, like he's just outright very like Brad Pitt, just that cool, ooh, yeah. But like in terms of like just being very still, and being very calm, and being able to just be really observant, but at the same time, as much as he's observing the world and the camera's capturing that, you can also tell that there's a lot going through his mind, and there's a lot in his eyes, and his soul is just rumbling, and there's just so much there, Uh, and it's captivating,
1: and it's really cool. Yeah, I'm going to have to look at that. I've never thought of any comparisons, because to me, Sholo is Sholo, but... Yeah. I, I, I want to see that uh, now, you know, from your perspective, um, to kind of uh, compare him to somebody. So, again, I, I mentioned uh, Midnight, to Ma- uh, Midnight on Mars is a really catchy tune. You know, I was singing it back. Uh, I really love the lyrics. Um, any inspiration behind that particular song? Um, Midnight on Mars is a song that I wrote back
0: in the fall. This past fall, um, I'm a huge mental health advocate, uh, and that's something that you know I'm very vocal about, and something that matters a lot to me. And uh, that's what Oh Mighty Ocean is entirely about. This will be a film that will be hopefully coming out soon after it's done uh, going through the film festival circuit. But you know, long story short, like I wasn't feeling so hot one night, and I was like, man, I just got to write. I got to just write all my thoughts out on paper. I just got to write them all out. And most of the time, you know, I just throw my thoughts down. I write them all down. And that leads to my next movie. That leads to my next script. And this time around, it just wasn't doing it for me. And I felt like I needed something more. And that's when I was like, oh, well, what if I like wrote into a poem or something like that? I don't know. Like, well, like what can, what, finding a medium to harness the, uh, the specific emotions I was feeling at that point in time and uh you know i had my guitar there and i was playing these riffs and i was just writing it out and i wrote the whole song in about 10 to 15 minutes and just playing these chords and it just kind of like came out cuz it really was something sincere that mattered a lot to me and i mean the song's no masterpiece and it's you know it's it's my first song i've ever made but it was just very honest and true to me and that song eventually was put at the end as the credit song for Oh Ocean. Oh, interesting. Um, and I actually made the song, like, I think for a long time, like the scariest thing, I don't really get scared talking to people. Um, I don't get scared being in front of the camera. I don't get scared being on a stage or, you know, like different things like that. But for some reason, the scariest thing to me for a long time was singing and singing for people. Not just singing for people, but trying to sing for people. I think, you know, I would, like, make stupid songs for my friends on the guitar about, like, just stupid, immature shit. But, like, to actually put your heart and soul into a song and, like, belt it out. Like, my God, that is some scary shit. Mm -hmm. And so I recorded Midnight on Mars. And I was just going to keep it. I was just gonna do what I was planning on doing with Good Night America, which was just keeping it on my hard drive, just keeping it on my computer. And when we finished the edit for Oh Ocean and, you know, the final credit song that I wanted to get for the movie was too expensive and I couldn't afford the licensing rights, but I still wanted a song there. I was talking with my composer and in the end, I was like, well, let's just put Midnight and i there and so that was at the end of the movie and then after that you know this was back in like november december for like a whole month like he's like are you gonna release it are you gonna release a song i was like i don't know i don't know i don't know like that's scary that's scary fucking shit to do yeah and i mean music is is always something that i've loved so much you know something that i grew up with and like as a little kid like i wanted to be I wanted to be a rock artist. I wanted to be a rock star. I wanted to make rock music and and play in stadiums and play for people. Uh, But those were just, those were just dreams, you know, that, that are lofty and high and and difficult to do, especially considering that there's really no Asian American rock stars in this country. And so, you know, I was just like that dream died out quick. Um, But as I was sitting on midnight on Mars, I have it ready to go and I was thinking more and more and more about it. I think I made two realizations. I think the first thing is that, you know, we're young. I'm 21 years old and I'll only be 21 years old once. And, uh, and I have been given the opportunity to make this song. I've been given a life to be able to choose to do whatever i want to do with it and because of that no one else should affect my decision of of what i decide to do with the song and also i'm not that important i'm a nobody so if the song sucks then people won't listen to it and if it's good then it's good and i could just keep making more music the second thing i realized was that i inherently am not just in the film, but I think I started realizing that I love just all the arts in general, and and at the end of the day, I'm a film director, but I also love making music. I also love acting. I also love writing. I love all these different things, and I'm at my happiest when I can pursue and uh, try and experiment with all these different things, and and they inevitably, you know, help support and build off one another and and, and help make different you know my film is going to help make my music better my music's going to make my writing better my writing is going to make my acting better yada 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 and everything uplifts together and it's just a really fulfilling feeling and the cool thing is there's no one stopping me from doing any of this except for myself and so i decided to release made out of mars
1: well it's it's fantastic i'm glad you did man like after um, you know, doing a little bit of research, listening to the song over and over, um, rewatching "Good Night America" after you know Team X Hawk uh, was championing for for its release uh, last month. Shout out to Team X Hawk, by the way. She's been incredible and in, uh, helping with. Yeah, that. yeah, absolutely. And um, no, I, I was really excited for this because it's like you're you're the jack of all trades, you know. I, I'm you know, kind of peeling all the layers and, and finding out that, that you dabble in all these different things. Uh, Midnight on Mars, like, it, it gave me, like, a kind of a Kid Cudi vibe. You know, he's, he's always, like, in a different state of mind. You know, I love Kid Cudi, so that yeah. means the world. I saw him in concert, man. Cool dude. Yeah, he's incredible. I think, uh,
0: yeah, Kid Cudi's definitely an inspiration. Man on the Moon is one of the greatest albums of all time. Yeah. I love Kanye West too My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy mm-hmm. uh, I also love rock music Like you know your Blink 182 Your Angels and Airwaves Your uh, My Chemical Romance But also you know I love indie music too uh, Slaughter Beach uh, Dog And and you have Car Seat Headrest And you know it's all these different genres That you could know, kind of pull from and mix together But I don't know There's going to be a new EP next month So
1: that'll be fun Nice, nice Well I'm looking forward to that um, so, yeah, let's talk about uh, United America. You mentioned that you're going to keep this for yourself. I, I, I think it couldn't have come at a better time, you know, in the, with everything going on around the world. Um, for those that are still in the dark, uh, you know, the, the crimes uh, against Asians in the past year, it's like over, I don't even remember, 30, 3,100 incidents that were actually reported, you know, um, so many that were not um, but this one right here, the, the, the focus is a little bit more against the um, uh, Mexicans, you know, and the people south of the border, as, as mentioned. So what was the idea behind this film? Because you, you did co-write it with um, I, I'm forgetting Russell his name. Andrew.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He's incredible. Um, yeah, man. Thought behind this film. Well, the first thing really was like, I mean, I was I was 19 years old. I said this a little bit in the featurette, but like a lot of this film came from nostalgia of, you know, I was 19. I was like, man, I'm turning 20 in October. You know, like the Peter Pan, I don't want to grow up. I want to stay a teenager forever. And I was like, right now I am most in touch with my teenage soul and spirit. And I want to do really just one final project that really encapsulates what it means to be a teenager. And so first it was going to be just this like really stand by me kind of film. That's one of my favorite movies too. fantastic movie. Yeah. Just like friends, just being friends and you see the relationships and, and the inner dichotomy of each character and and what they're about and this and that. But, you know, as I thought more and more about it, this I think was in 2019 uh, when we're writing it. And, um, A lot of stuff was happening then. Uh, It's been a really politically charged and divided past four years. And whether we realize it or not, this division and this political turmoil has greatly affected and impacted the children of today and the youth of today and the teenagers of today the decisions and the consequences that come from adults affect their kids and that's a theme that i really wanted to play in this movie and that i felt like the movie was missing when it was just kind of the stand by me vibe was like how are teenagers and kids today responding to the world that we are currently living in and i wanted this story to really be something about Exploring how, at the end of the day, there are consequences from what's going on in the adult world. And there are all these different battles and demons and obstacles in our society. But there's something beautiful about the teenage soul that enables kids to just have this undying loyalty for one another and to stick with one another, you know, through thick or thin. That's a crazy thing about the teenage years that always fascinated me. Is it is the years where you experience most most growth, most change. Your 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 brain is just rewiring, and and you really are coming of age, and you are losing your innocence, and you're scared. It's a scary time. That's why so many kids and so many teenagers are are most susceptible to, you know, mental health problems, is because this rocky change and this rocky turmoil is, is tough and it's lonely. And it's certainly not made easier by a, a society that's politically charged and, and just filled with just constant conflict and nothing makes sense anymore nowadays. And I wanted to illustrate that and how even during these times, your friends as teenagers will always be there for you and, and stick around with you and and that's ultimately how i got through my teenage years and how i feel like a lot of people get through their own is through their bonds and their friendships and that brotherhood or sisterhood that they have with their friends which i think is really cool so that was the that was the thought process behind goodnight america
1: you know when it first came out i know a lot of people are like oh it's funny it's hilarious it's like there's a lot more to it than this like you know, um, what was it? Uh, what, what was that the PR account that you were doing the giveaway with? Good PR. That's my buddy Austin. Gitter, yeah, the homie. So um, you know, I, I I was doing the giveaway just to share the clip that I liked. I, I you know, like even if I won, I would have turned that around and flipped it to, to do a giveaway for my account. But I just wanted to showcase like. You know, we won't get too much into your film uh, in, in the details because I, I do think it's important that people check it out. It's thirty-seven minutes, ish. Yeah, like
0: 37, 38 minutes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So you know, it's it, it's not it's not long. It's it, it's all available on YouTube. But my the thing that stood out to me the most was when um, uh, Duke, right, the the guard, the guardian, the, whatever you want to call it, yeah,
0: Content William Duke. <laughs>
1: So he, you know, he he's trying to bust open this locker. Um, and then, you know, basically everyone kind of gets in his face and he's ready to shoot your character. And then the, is, 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 who's the German? I'm, I'm mixing up all the names. I should have wrote these down. Kane. Okay. So, you know, you, you see him kind of thinking a little bit, uses his privilege steps right in front of your character and then uh, jacob's character does the exact same thing and i was like i was like holy shit like do the other kids watching this do do they not see this like you you know what i mean so i think there's definitely some commentary that um, people are kind of like it's just kind of going over their head but um i I really did appreciate that uh, that moment um but to kind of like I think during your uh interview with Jess, uh you were talking about how, you know, whatever you do, you gotta have fun with it. You know, don't take it too serious. And and I, I think a lot of people that were tuning into that were wondering, what the hell is going on behind the background? And I'm like, he just told you guys. He like whatever you do, have fun with it. Like, you know, so it it's, it, it was like it was like the sixth sense, you know, like they're telling you that Bruce Willis is a ghost, but you're not listening until like the reveal at the end, you know? So it it was kind of like that. So it was, it was fun watching that. But, um, the, 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 I I think the laugh out loud moment for me was when you guys are sitting down with Duke for the first time and he pulls out the the stick with with the, the the shades of color. (laughs)
0: <laughs> the race stick,
1: yeah, man, I, I love that. I was laughing my ass off uh, so hard. And then when it comes to you, you know, there's a little, you know, I you, you do this thing with your mouth. I don't know if you were trying to lick the stick, but then he slaps you with it. Like that's why I asked about like, did, did you do any acting while you were in school? Because like you, you seem to be a natural at that too. Like you know, just some of these comedic beats.
0: Dang. Oh, I was, I was just saying thank you. I, I appreciate that. I, uh, I mean, I acting just fun. It's just kind of fun to do. I feel like anyone can be an actor uh, and I'm not even going to pretend like I'm a, you know, I'm not Jacob and Cholo, those guys, you know, who really know what they're doing. But I, you know, I just like having fun with it and and just acting as as myself and just, you know, once again, just honing different aspects of my personalities for characters.
1: Yeah. But, yeah. It's fun. It, you guys really set that up well, too, in the writing. And, and, and I, I really got to give you props, too, because, again, it's... Um, I'm just my, it's mind blowing to, to know that you had no intentions on releasing this, but even in, in, in your writing, you guys make it a point to give everybody a, a reason to pull that trigger at the end. You set all of that up, you know, like early on too, with uh, Jacob not being accepted, the German kid and, and <laughs> his little uh, dialogue there at the beginning. Um, so, so yeah, that they put the payoff was great. Um, I, I, I didn't watch your entire live uh, with Jess, but um, were there any talks about turning this into a feature, like a full-length feature?
0: Yeah, that's a really good question. The current conversation now uh, with this movie is, it's definitely, you know, thanks to all the fans and to everyone watching it and, and generating a lot of buzz, there are conversations that have started um, about development for a feature. And that's just looking more and more feasible and likely. And I don't want to talk too much about it because, you know, I like once again, everything's just so up in the air that I just I don't know what I don't know what's going to happen. But um, what I can say is that Russell and I have started the started writing the feature version of this movie, uh, which is just much more developed and much more. It's definitely a level up from this First version that we did uh, from the short. I mean, it's been two years since then, um, and we've gotten better as filmmakers and writers, and we're really just taking the time to craft this one to make it something special. So, you know, hopefully, we knock that out of the park and and get some funding and financing and get to make this thing an in actual movie that you could see in the theaters or you know on a streaming service or something.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll be in line for that, for sure, man. I'm definitely going to support your work and, and follow you, man. You're um, a bright young man, and, and I'm, I'm really excited to, to see what, what you're going to put out in the future. Um, speaking of putting out, re- recently on your Instagram account, you uh, shared a video that you directed right next to you uh, by Sophia. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, so tell me like, um, on your website, you actually have like eight or nine music videos that you've directed. Um, how, how do people just reach out to you to, to film for them, uh, for, for the, their music?
0: Uh, on my website, there should be a contact page and you can just hit me up on there. Um, or you can just DM me. I think the contact page is the best way of going about it. Cause it just goes straight to my, uh, my film email. And, uh, I mean, I love working with new artists and exploring new sounds and, and trying, experimenting with new things and styles. I think that's what music videos really is for me, is it's a playground to try cool shit, for lack of better words. So, mm-hmm. I mean, if anyone wants to work together, just hit me on my website and we'll figure something out.
1: Now, uh, kind of on the topic of that particular music video, um, can you talk about, the you know, just briefly about the process? Because it takes place, like, in a, in, in a diner. Uh, can you um talk about like how do you go about uh the casting um uh the lo- location and, and and things like that
0: yeah um the location was was something that I found online we when I was listening to the song well first, I started with just listening to the song over and over and over like a heinous amount like like i 'll listen to you know the artist's song like a hundred times at least because they probably had to listen to it a lot more when they were writing it and mixing it and mastering it and adding on different instruments and and the orchestration and the build. I was like, you know, I want to do that justice. I want to have equal, if not more understanding and analysis of the song than the artist. And so just listening to it over and over and over. Okay. Feeling it out. Okay. It kind of gives me like a fifties poppy barbershop diner kind of vibe. Okay. Okay. Go on the internet, look around LA for different locations, found this really sweet spot. Um, and then it was like crafting a story of just, you know, kind of that's where the narrative film director side of me comes out is just, you know, okay, cool. We have this location, we have this setting. Uh, and also, like in listening to the song, you could kind of different songs radiate different colors, different feels, different textures. Her song was very red and white. It was very poppy, it was red, white, it was simple. It was, it was kind of playful and light. So we had that promise filter on it, which kind of softened up the look of, of the film and it didn't feel too sharp. And, uh, and then it's, you know, the next step is coming up with a story for it and um, writing something that makes sense to the theme of the song as well. Uh, casting is always, I love using actors that I've worked with before and also I'll you know use Breakdown Express or some sort of casting service, or I'll reach out to different actors that I've wanted to work with, uh, and then we'll bring them all together and we'll go to the location and run production for about a day um, and then edit it. And yeah, it's done. Music videos are a good time. They're fun.
1: When, um, when Jess uh, interviewed um, Michael, I think you hopped in briefly, right?
0: Yeah, I, yeah. I, I invaded a bit because I just wanted to say what up to Mike. Yeah,
1: and, and you guys were kind of talking about like how, you know, people were sleeping on the floor and, and, and all these things. So f- for the music video, you, you kind of touched on it a little bit. Like, how, how do you guys even get funding for stuff like that? A lot of people just kind of pitching in to help out?
0: For the music videos, most of the time, it's like the artist that will just finance the whole thing. Mm. Um, and then like, I mean, a lot of times, like, the music videos kind of is like a client work kind of thing. But most of the time, like like I'm making nothing. I just and anything that I do make, I literally put back into like, okay, kid, with my cut of this video, we can invest in renting this lens into this light, into getting this gear and hiring another person. Cause I mean, I'm, you know, I'm 21. I'm I'm fortunate enough to be in a stage in my life where I can focus more about the art and the quality and the product than, Mm -hmm. you know, the financial side of things. So in terms of like my own movies, like in in terms of these things, Mm -hmm. it's just every single dollar I make from doing freelance work, from directing a project, from, you know, working at my job. It's like every dollar I make, I save it up so that I can finance my own projects and do them the way I want to do them. Yeah. but You know, it's, is it the smartest thing to do to, to just put all your money in, in just refunding your projects? Financially irresponsible, financially not sustainable, but I love to do it and it makes sense for me. And hopefully eventually one day I will get funding for projects so that I'm not constantly on the verge of bankruptcy.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's a great idea for the music videos. You know, you kind of flip that money, put it into... Um, better equipment, better software for editing, what have you. Um, uh, hiring maybe somebody with more experience than somebody without it, that's going to, you know, um, draw more attention to your name. When s- somebody sees the final product, you're like, that Nathan guy's got an eye, you know, for, for something. So, yeah, that, that's I, I think that would that'd be a really good tip for anybody that's looking to do something like that. Um, as, as we get ready to wrap up, you know, the, the posters right behind you, Oh, mighty ocean, you've, you've been talking about it. Uh, Peyton list is in it. Uh, uh Jacob Bertrand's also in it. Um, what can you kind of tease about? And I, I actually, you know, just did a screen grab of, of Peyton and Jacob shared it today. And people are like, oh, when's it coming out? And all these things like, I didn't answer Cause I don't know what, what can you tell people about this movie and when can they possibly expect it?
0: Um, oh, man. Well, I could tell you I'm excited about this one for sure. This is one of my favorite movies I've ever done. And if you liked Good Night America, well, boy, oh, boy, this is sure as hell a different movie. But I think people will love it just as much, if not better. Uh, it's a movie that is incredibly personal and dear to my heart, led by uh, Jack Griffo. Um, and he just crushes the role. Peyton's in it. Jacob's in it. Uh, and just, you know, there's just tons of really solid people on this project. It's currently making its way through the film festival circuit. So basically for a full year, the film makes its way at different festivals that it gets accepted or rejected to. And it plays there. Uh, and I can't upload it online publicly until you know, it goes through that whole thing. But if I were to guess an estimate of when this would come out, probably next February, um, you could see it there. But if you do want to see it early, there's a way. There's a way to see this movie early. Next, actually, in like two weeks from now, uh, on April 30th, this movie will be screening at the Beverly Hills Film Festival. Now, even if you don't live in Beverly Hills, that's okay. Because due to the pandemic, this festival will be online. uh, And you could just Google Beverly Hills Film Festival and, and you can buy a ticket to watch the movie online.
1: Well, I'll definitely have to share it other ways because, unfortunately, this, this interview will be uh, coming out after the, the 30th of April.
0: Oh, no worries. There will be other opportunities to, to watch it.
1: But, but the fact that at the time of this recording, it's going to be available soon. I'll definitely help push that, you know, for those that uh, definitely, C- clearly people are wondering, you know, when's it coming out and stuff. So if there is a chance to watch it. I'm sure they'll jump on it. So your website, Nathan Shia, uh, N-A-T-H-A-N-X-I-A.com. Uh, where else can people follow you if they want to check out some of the other stuff that you've done?
0: There, um, you can look me up on Spotify if you want to find my music uh, and just find me on Instagram uh, yeah. at Nathan Shia and Nathan X-I-A. And yeah, I mean, I'm always, even I don't really know what I'm ever up to. It's, it's always a new adventure every day, so we'll figure this all out together
1: yeah follow on instagram that, that's how i kind of keep updated i guess with with projects and such um well for for us if you guys are tuning in uh, on, on youtube or uh, even on the audio podcast we have our website uh, 75 interviews with cast and crew from the karate Kit and cobra kai uh cobra kai companion.com Companion spell with a k can find me on twitter at cobra kai pod and cobra kai podcast on instagram Nathan, I want to thank you Uh, uh, you for coming on the show, giving me the chance. Definitely looking forward to your future endeavors. Uh, And thank you to all that had tuned in, and I'll catch you guys next time. Sweet. Thanks so much for having me, man. Really appreciate it. For sure.
0: I've been stuck in my head. I ain't never going outside. I'm never leaving my bed. I wish I still felt to Cause I've been dreaming, been dreaming that everyone goes home. Been freeing, been freeing, feels right flying so low. Cause if I die tonight, the world keeps spinning the same old pattern. Cause if I die tonight, I'll be back home on the rings of Saturn. I'm leaving, I'm leaving. Today, fuck you and your problems. Just drinking, maybe smoke them away. I'm leaving, I'm leaving, I'm leaving today. Fuck you and your problems. Just drinking, maybe smoke them away.